Um, so to start off, actually, if you all wouldn't mind standing, um, I would love for you to stand with me. Now, you should have a little bit of room um, in front of you, so I'm not going to ask any of you to move, but we're going to move around a little bit here, all right? So um, what I need you to do is just take a small step forward. Small step forward. Okay, that's great. You did really good. That's great. All right, now take a small step, small step back. Okay, that's great. Now, but this time I want, when I say take a step forward, use, use the like front of your foot. Don't use the heel of your foot. So like, it's like that. So you didn't step all the way and then you can go backwards. So just like this. All right. So step forward, step back, step forward, step back. All right. Get some hips going. Step forward, (laughs) step back. All right. Now we're doing the cha-cha. Yeah. All right. You guys look great. Except you. You're not doing it. <laughs> all right. You can all be seated. Now you all get to wonder if that has anything to do with the preach. It may. It may not. Uh, so we're, this is the sixth message in our series, uh, A Culture of Christ. And we've said it before, but this series was an intentional series that God gave to us as a pastoral staff so that we could lay a foundation to most effectively reach the kingdom of God. And we have um, the penultimate episode, if you will, here today. This is the sixth of seven. So oftentimes in a TV series, the second to last episode is that, is that episode where the, there's that big reveal or that big twist that you're like, oh, I, I'm going to have to like, that, that's shocking. That I'm going to have to resonate on that. And I'm telling you right now, there is no big twist. In this, in this message, there's no big twist. There's no big reveal. Um, because I, if you know Jesus, I'd like to assume that you know that Jesus wants you to be obedient. I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Um, so I want to start by asking just a series of true or false questions. Um, true or false? Did Satan do everything he could do to distract Jesus from his purpose here on earth? true true or false jesus had habits in place that allowed him to protect and accomplish his purpose here on earth true true or false satan is going to do everything he can to distract you and me from the purpose that we have here on earth true true or false do we have habits that allow us to protect the purpose that Christ has laid out from us from all that Satan's going to do. All right, that's about what I expected. Um, the, the, the answer to that question should be true. The answer to that question should be true. And so what we're going to be talking about today is about our habits, about the habits that we form, and about the habits that Jesus had as he did his ministry here on earth. I'm going to move this out of the way. I keep running into it. Um, So we're going to talk about habits. And I want to read a a quote from Danny Silk. So Danny Silk is an author who wrote a book called Keep Your Love On uh, that we've done a a small group around uh, here twice. And he just has this very simple quote. It says, if something is important to you, create habits to protect it. If something is important to you, create habits to protect it. So what's important to you? I'll tell you what's important to me. I, furthering the kingdom of God is important to me. Being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good employee, all those things are very important to me. 
I've talked about in the past, you know, there's, I could probably have more habits in being a good husband, but my wife and I do have the habit of every Thursday night, we are going to prioritize each other, and that's, and that's a non-negotiable night, and that's something that we've done to put in place, it's a habit to ensure that we can reach that goal of having a strong marriage. I'll tell you something else that is, at least in my head, important to me, losing weight. Losing weight is, in my head, really important. I would love to be about 15 to 20 pounds lighter than I am right now. Um, but strangely, when you eat you know, four or five pieces of pizza in one night, you wake up the next morning and you haven't lost weight. It's, it's, it's very strange. So we, as Christians, one of the most important things in our lives is we are to be obedient to Christ. So what habits do we have in our life that are actually accomplishing that goal? So this, I consider this message, this is like obedience, like 201 or 301. This is like a second or third level obedience preach. I'm not going to be talking much about exactly how Jesus was obedient or trying to convince you that we're to be obedient. Next week, uh, Mark is going to be finishing the sermon series, and it's going to be all around salvation. And if you don't know Christ, um, you're going to find that you can't help yourself but want to follow him and follow his commandments once you have accepted him, once you have accepted the amazing gift of salvation. So next week, Mark's going to be talking about salvation. But this week, this is going to be about how we can create habits to truly have a life that is habitually focused on, obe- on obeying Christ. Let me say that again. This is about being completely devoted to obeying Christ. So I do want to just point out how Jesus was obedient. And it's important to just talk about his life a little bit. And there's many verses in the Bible about how Jesus was intentional uh, with his father and obedience to his father. But I'm just going to read one specific verse because I think it summarizes it pretty well. So John 12, 49 through 50 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Every word he spoke was a word of obedience from the Father. Everything he did, every act that he took on earth was an act of obedience. There was nothing that he ever did that was outside of the Father. We've talked so much in the series, uh, the different topics about presence and about love and God had, and about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had the Holy Spirit on him and the Holy Spirit never left until he was on that cross. Mark talked about it last week. And that combination of being present with his Father and just accepting the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus never disobeyed the Father. So that's, that's just the base level of this message. Jesus never disobeyed. He was always obedient. But interestingly, what God really put on my heart to focus on is that it wasn't easy for Jesus to be obedient. So the author of Hebrews has an interesting passage and talks about learning obedience through suffering. And I like to read, the, read those verses. So Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. Um, FYI, I'm in New King James throughout this entire message. 
So the verse says, In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I just want to point out, not only did he offer up prayers and supplications, he had vehement cries and tears. Our Savior had to work to be obedient. It was not easy. It was not easy. And if you think, well, Jesus was God, yes, he was God, but he was man. And he had to be tempted. He had to be absolutely tempted the way that we are. He had to go through what we go through so we could actually hang on that cross and die for our sins and take that burden. He had to be tempted. It had to be hard. If you need a concrete example of that, let's look at Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, 26, 36 through 39, it says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was obedient even to a horrific death on the cross. And this this passage, you know, when I read it this time around, you know, God's awesome when I mean the Holy the Holy Spirit is going to bring you into new truth about Jesus when you read the scriptures. And I noticed that going a little farther, he fell on his face. And I just envisioned our Savior you know, telling his disciples, you know, stay, stay here. I'm sorrowful. And I mean, going a little further, he couldn't, he was barely holding it together. And he fell on his face just in tears saying, God, please take this cup from me. But the difference between what Jesus did and what we often do is that the follow-up was not my will, but yours. And Jesus had gotten to this point where he was focused so constantly on the Father, and he was intentional with how he's going to be obedient to his Father, that even taking what is going... I mean, we're never going to have such a horrific thing that's going to happen to us as hanging on a cross. But he was, even with that, he was obedient to his Father. And so there's two things that I felt God really wanted us to focus on today. Three things, actually, sorry. The first is... Obedience to the Father is not supposed to be easy. Two, we have to be focused to be obedient. And three, we have to be intentional to be obedient. Yeah. So, to say that again, first, being obedient is not supposed to be easy. Two, we have to be focused to be obedient. And three, we have to be intentional to be obedient. Now this first part, obedience not being easy. I 
Kinder can attest. Over the last couple of days, this section, I just have been like, these are not easy verses. And oftentimes, it's like, I, I, you, you can sometimes, when you're preaching even, you're, you're, you're a little bit wanting to focus on the positive and focus on, um, the easy verses because you can talk about those easy verses. And, um, but I've been challenged by these verses and I, I, and I feel God wants us challenged by these verses. So we're going to just stay in Matthew 10. And Matthew 10:16 says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is a promise of tribulation and great difficulty. And for the disciples, it was real. They were surrounded by people who were anxious to kill them. They were surrounded by people who were anxious to harm them. And the disciples, despite that, they accepted this call because they had this this relationship with the Lord that was so full. We talked about the love that Jesus showed and poured out on them. And I want to think about this picture a little bit in a little bit more detail. Like if you think about a sheep, sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb animals. And sheep are helpless. So you put a helpless sheep, I think of the circle of wolves. So one sheep with wolves all around it. That's about as helpless of a situation that Jesus could have painted. And yet he said, that's what I'm calling you out to do. That's how I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. And this is not just something from, the, from right after Jesus' time. This is not just for the apostles. It's for us. There are Christians that are killed around the world every single day for their faith. That they're actually living out, they're living out this fear. They're living out this, this fearful situation. But you know why they're not fearful? Because they are trusting in Jesus. And they have Him at the core. And they're realizing this verse. So to continue on in Matthew 10, because, I mean, the disciples at this time are learning about what Jesus is asking of them. And uh, at the time, the everyone was anxious for the Savior who was going to restore Israel. And uh, so... Jesus sets the record straight. Matthew 10, 34-39. It says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a, ma, a, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. He's saying he didn't come to bring peace, but instead to bring division. He's a sword. Why? Because the world is going to push back. And we're as sheep among wolves. The world is not going to be friendly if we're 100% devoted to obeying 
Jesus. And why, why do I feel God's putting this challenging passage on our hearts today? Because we are setting the foundation of how we are going to be kingdom changers. In order for us to have that foundation in place, we have to understand that it's not supposed to be easy. There's supposed to be trials. There's supposed to be tribulations. There's supposed to be pressures from this world. If we are doing this right, we're going to be really uncomfortable. So I've been reading a book called um, Radical. It's by a um, pastor of a big church down the southeast. His name is David Platt. And I just want to read a quick quote because I think this summarizes it so well. It says, You and I can choose to continue with business as usual in the Christian life and in the church as a whole, enjoying success based on the standards defined by the culture around us here in America. Or we can take an honest look at the Jesus of the Bible and dare to ask what the consequences might be if we really believed him and really obeyed him. Do we dare? Do we dare? I hope so. I hope so. And it's important to note that this whole sermon series is to prepare us for this. So if you haven't listened to the other messages in the series, please do so, because it sets such a good foundation around love and the presence and generosity. And that allows us to get to this point where we're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this even if there is fear, even if there is discomfort involved. So Jesus paints the best picture of what it's like to hear the words of Jesus and yet not act on them. It's all about the the man who built his house on the rock versus the sand. So I want to read this passage, Luke 6, 46-49. Jesus says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So something really important about this. At one point, both the house on the rock and the house on the sand were both standing. They're both standing at the same time. And so you think about the person who is building the house on the rock. He's working way harder on that foundation. And he sees his neighbor over there drinking lemonade and says, everything's great. This is fantastic. What are you doing over there? Do you see our house or our houses? My house is fantastic. And the one over here is building on the rock. He's like, no, that's not enough. There's something more. I have to build my foundation on a rock. And despite the fact that he could choose the comfortable route, he's like, no, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to build that deep foundation. And then when the floods come, that's when one house is standing and the other house isn't. And that's what we're called to do. That's what being obedient is going to do. It's going to build that house on the rock. Jesus says it right here. Who hears my words and actually does them, they're building their house on the rock. So 
just wanted to say again, obedience is not meant to be easy. There's going to be outside pressures that are going to make this hard. But there's two ways that I feel God really wants us to, to focus on. And I say the word focus when the first one is actually focus. But there's two specific steps that I feel God really made tangible to me as, as I was preparing this message. So the first is focus. Our focus has to be on Jesus. Graham Cook, another, another great man of God who we've done um, some small groups around, he has a book called The Prophetic. And he says, we need to focus... And our first response in faith is worship, thanksgiving, and to rejoice in the Lord always. God is the object of our confidence. And rejoicing always and the continuous thanksgiving makes the Lord our focus. God is the object of our confidence. You know, Kara said it earlier. You know, as we were, as we were worshiping, being in his presence gives us strength. So Kara's message on presence, guys, that is ridiculously important. It's so important. We use so many verses about how we can be steadfast in Jesus. And I'm telling you, the more that we've been going through this series, the beginning of each day is one of the most important times of every day that you can have in your walk with Christ. The beginning of your day is how you choose to actually live out that day. You can wake up and say, I've got so many things to do. I've got this and that and that and this. Stress. You run out the door, go to work, check off a bunch of of boxes, go home, eat dinner, you're exhausted, you go to bed. How many of your days are like that? Because a lot of mine are like that. So when you wake up in the morning, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Say, Lord, this day is yours. I'm not going to be anxious for anything. Instead, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to be thankful about everything. Paul urged us to be those who renew our minds. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is uh, prove what is that prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect in the will of God. Yeah. Are we striving towards Him? Are we taking every day to renew our minds, or are we letting the world dictate our agenda? Jesus was focused. Jesus is extremely focused. So as Jesus' ministry grew, he became more and more intentional about how he was going to spend time with the Father. So early on in his ministry, in Luke 5, um, Jesus had just healed a group of lepers. And he told them, he told them, don't, don't tell anybody. Don't go out and tell anybody. But they did. <laughs> because, you know, leprosy is kind of a big deal. <laughs> and so therefore they couldn't help themselves. But when he did, the crowd started to gather. The pressure started to mount. And what did Jesus do? He didn't immediately preach again. He didn't immediately start healing again. He got away. Luke fifteen or Luke five, fifteen through sixteen, 
However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. The pressure was mounting. The obedience, the the ability to be obedient was becoming harder. And God said, or Jesus said, I'm going to get away to my father early and often. If we are focused on Christ and his goodness every day, it sets us in this in this foundation where we can actually be obedient to Jesus. So that's the focus part. Then the intentionality part. The intentionality is so key. And I know a lot of you in this room. I've done life with a lot of you in this room many times. And Mark said it a couple times in his sermons. Like, show me your, your calendar, show me your checkbook, and I'll show you where your priorities are. And we've said it many times, but there's an intentionality to being obedient to Jesus. And it starts with giving him your time. John fourteen fifteen is one of the simplest verses in the Bible. If you love me, keep my commandments. There it is. There it is. That's it. I mean, that's like a cut and dry commandment from Jesus. Obey all of my commandments. So, I could spend weeks going over all of the commandments of Jesus. I'm not. You know, we're, we're praying about that next sermon series, and we know we want to go deeper. You know, what it's like to be devoted in our walk with Jesus. So there's going to be more. There's a few things that I feel like we have to be intentional about. First is getting in the Word. Yeah. You have to get in the Word. You have to get in the Word. You should get in the Word every day. Just do it. Just do it. What's the downside? What's the downside of being in the Word every day? There isn't one. There is not a downside. I mean, Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's the formula. It's right there. All of Scripture is breathed by our Savior. And He's using it to uplift us and getting us in this place where we are obedient, where we can actually make an effect on the kingdom like we want to. It's right there. So get in the Word. I I can't really... I can't do anything to force you to get in the Word, but I can tell you, if you are intentional with your time with the Lord and praying to Him, He's going to convict you. says, just learn about me. Be in my Word. Learn about me. Another thing that God brought up is fasting. Jesus used the verbiage in the New Testament, when you fast. And He goes on to say, do it, do it in private. Don't be boasting about it like the Pharisees do. But he says, when you fast. You know, oftentimes we have made fasting into this thing that like, well, I really need something. I really don't know where my job is going to be going. And that's great. That's great. That's good to fast and really focus on him. But it should be an er- a, a very consistent part of our walk with God. And I don't know the cadence, but I know that God says it. God says, when you fast. So it's just an opportunity for us to be intentional again. 
get away from this world, get away from the distractions, get away from what America says our priorities are supposed to be, and get focused on what God says our priorities are supposed to be. And then tithing. Cringe, right? Tithing. You know, I love that Mark spent time on it this morning. But when Mark or I or whoever's doing the announcements, whoever's praying over the offering, when we start talking about tithing, do your ears just turn off? Or do you let conviction happen? Do you let the fact that God has promise when it comes to tithing and giving and generosity, do you let yourself have that conversation with Jesus? Those are, the, those are the decisions that will determine whether or not you are going to be obedient and whether or not you're going to just have a life that is completely full in Jesus Christ. And so we bring up tithing. It's like, oh, but that's my money. <laughs> that's my money. I've got things to do with that. That's not your money. It's God's money. Yeah. And right there are three specific things that we can be intentional about. And that's just three things. I had to whittle it down. I went back and forth in so many different areas. But the point of it is if we're not intentional, then we're not actually going to be seeking out the commandments that Jesus has for us, which means we won't be obedient for them or to them. James 2.18 says, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. If we are intentional, we will show the world our faith. We will show the world how good Jesus is. And our works just can't help but just flow out of us. And it's exciting. It's exciting to think about that. It's exciting to just realize that. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And we're going to... um, We're going to close out. And I have... um, just one final verse that I think is really good. Um, but we are going to worship. And as we worship together, uh, I'd ask that you just quiet your heart before the Lord and just ask Him how He wants you to realize intentionality, how He wants you to focus on Him. So the good news about all of this, uh, some of it challenging, is that it's not on you. It's on Jesus through you. Jesus is going to do so many good things in and through you. And He's there to support you. He's there to guide you. He wants to guide you. He wants to... He wants to tell you your purpose. He wants to tell you what He has for you. He wants to tell you where you're supposed to be going in this journey where you're supposed to be affecting the kingdom. He wants that so badly. And Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 is just a beautiful promise. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruits. We will continue to bear fruits if we are focused and intentional 
in our walk with our Lord. Our hope is entirely in Him. And once you start that journey with Jesus, I hope there's that stirring in you. That there are people outside. There are people that need Jesus. There's so many people that need Jesus. There's a kingdom that needs to be brought here. So if someone asks me, how am I going to lose weight? I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to do that. And I am going to do that. Because this week I've committed to it. I'm, I'm going to do it. But let me tell you how. I'm exercising four or five times a week. I'm running two to three miles each of those days. That burns 400 calories. And if I want to lose a pound a week, I'm going to have to have about 2,000 calories eaten every day. So I'm going to log all of the calories I eat. I'm going to log all the exercise I do. And the byproduct of that is that I will lose weight. I'm going to do it. If someone comes up to you and says, how are you going to affect the kingdom of God? What's your answer? What's your answer? It's a, a weird question. People are not going to ask you that question often, but think about that. If your answer is, well... I love Jesus. Um, he's my Savior. That's not that's not an answer to the question. An answer to the question is, my Father sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. And Jesus Christ told me that I'm to go out and make disciples of all nations. So I'm praying about that every day. Because I know that that is my purpose. That that is my calling. And when things get tough... When things get stressful, God tells me I'm not to be anxious, but instead I'm to go to Him with every request. I'm supposed to be thankful. I'm supposed to pray to Him. And I know that my flesh is going to fail. And therefore, I fast to make sure that I just stay focused on Him. Because I know that the life, the pressures of life are going to overcome if I'm not careful. So therefore, I'm going to fast. Therefore, in the morning when I wake up, I give Him my day. And the byproduct of this is that I hope, God willing, that Jesus Christ will use me. That Jesus Christ will use me to further His kingdom. That's an answer. And I wrote it all down, so I had, a, I had an advantage over you because I asked myself that question. And a lot of those things I just said, I need to put those things into practice. That's what obedience is all about. So let's go back to the cha-cha. I went back to it. It wasn't just for the sake of getting up and moving. Um, we didn't look very good cha-chaing. We just didn't. I look terrible, I'm sure. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. How's that look? Is that, is that good? Am I getting it? All right. Well, if I wanted to truly learn how to cha-cha, I have to follow steps to do so. I'm giving you that terrible analogy so that you'll remember this message. Because it's such an important message. If you want to do something as simple as cha-chaing, there's steps you need to take. What we are striving towards is furthering the kingdom of God. And there are steps that we need to take to do so.